0: Thank mm-hmm. Uh, thank you everybody for joining us, we're here for a really good cause today. We're here to support the uh, Kai and Prince Foundation, which is a charity close to our hearts and means a lot to a lot of people. Um, without further ado, I'd like to introduce the founder of the, the charity, Mr. Uh, sorry, Dr. Doctor Mark Prince. to come and say a few words and let you all know why we're here for us today.
1: Hi, everyone. Give yourself another round of applause for coming here and supporting this, please. <clears throat> first met Mike, um, when he gave me a shout, was over Twitter, Mike? To just come down and talk a little bit about the charity and what we do. So I'm gonna just share with you guys in a nutshell what we do. We're really passionate about young people's lives. We see the way that they've got this mindset where they're killing each other. And we understand that to be able to get this to change, we have to change the mindset. So that's what we do. I'm gonna share more with you, how we do it, why we began, and where the drive and the passion for current Prince Foundation comes from. But just for now, I just wanna thank you all for coming and supporting this. This means a lot to me. Thanks guys.
0: Now we're gonna see, I'm gonna talk with Mark, Spencer a wherever you are. Are you here? No. Uh, oh, he said he was gonna come. I'm not going to fan of anyone. But we're here with Mark. And this is what it's nice about anyway. So do you know what? I'm gonna let Mark talk for a minute about Akai Breaks Foundation and what we're here for. And then we'll do a bit of a Q&A, and we'll see where we end up. And then definitely have some drinks, because I feel like. Everybody's on the way there. Now. Okay, so can you please bless us with
2: why we're in uh, don't you
1: think that we didn't just watch a boxing film, watch something a little bit more than just boxing film, it was a bit deep in it. This is my take on Rocky. We all got a bit of poorly in us. Paulie don't want to accept change. Paulie fights against change. Do you remember how Paulie was acting in the film? Moaning, complaining, don't accept anything. Another beautiful moment was when the wife broke down the truth and helped him to face his fears and look at the real reason why he wasn't stepping up and doing what he was doing and I think we've all had those moments in our life so we've all got poorly in us because we don't want to accept change and we fight against change and we've all got the ability to face our fears and be real with ourselves be honest about where we're at what we really want in life Um, just to bring that greatness out in us. And only us being truthful with ourselves can do that. And only us believing in ourselves can we move on to that next stage in our life. And, And I love the way that Rocky had to go through that moment to be able to get to the next stage in his life for him to experience this victory and this great moment. So why am I talking about all this stuff? Because we've, all of us, have had to go through these rocky times in our own life. And uh, my rocky time, my opponent, we've all got opponents, they're not as bad ass as, as Clubber Lang, um, but we've got our opponents. And, and my opponent, was unforgiveness so just imagine your worst nightmare you love your kids you know you're 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 just a young dad i was 17 when, when my girlfriend said i'm pregnant and we were excited and, so i had two kids two little lovely daughter and a lovely little son and my whole life was put into bringing up these beautiful children and i felt i had significance now i've got these kids and great responsibility so i stepped up i was homeless at 15 i was quite miss my head was all over the place i was a mess and having kids just eventually got me focused and i decided to stop being in drugs and crime and all this crazy street life, and I decided to do something, so I decided to be a boxer. Crazy. I was 21 and I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna fight, I could be a champion, I wanna be a champion, I'm gonna do it. And everyone's like, yeah, alright, Prince, you know, you just smoke weed and, and do illegal stuff, so we can't see you and putting your drugs so and being anyone being a champion. You can fight on the streets. You can swing, but this is a different game, this is professionals, but I didn't listen to that. And uh, I was determined and I believed like Rocky got to that moment where he believed and I, I I became I changed my life around. And um, I was really proud that I changed my life around for my children and and uh, for myself. And uh, watching my children growing up, that was awesome. Because I, I imagined that when I was 21 and I began thinking about my son What's he going to say to me when he says, Dad, what are you going to be? What, Dad, what do you do? Because I remember this moment so clearly, I was thinking, my son's going to ask me one day, Dad, what do you do? And I and I thought, what am I going to tell him that I, I shot weed and and, and, and I do this for I do this? And I thought, that's that's no good. I got. A, i got to be the dad that I want him to be, not telling. So now I was number one in Britain. Uh, now I was fighting for the world title, and I was 18 and I was undefeated, and I was just on top of the world. It was a great feeling. So uh, then my world crashed and I, and I had, I couldn't fight anymore because I smashed my knee. and And, um, and basically I, had to stay focused and find a way to move through that. Some more rocky moments, some more opponents. And during that time I decided, let me get back to my community, I wanted to contribute. And I've been a kid on the street, all this knife crime had been going on, so I thought, let me help these guys. So I started using my boxing to train these kids and I started working for different councils, is it unhappy, all these different councils are doing great work and it was awesome and I loved it. And even though it didn't bring me in the money, I loved it because I was watching lives being changed. So I kept doing that job and I used to bring my son on the the training and he loved it. And he was doing great in football, he was a great footballer. and, And what happened was, the same kind of young people that I was helping to take off that mentality, one day my son's at school and my son's just going about his day and he's a really cool guy, everyone loves my boy. Um, he's a very great footballer because he aspired, because of my journey I was able to import great stuff into his mind and he aspired to be a great footballer. And he was becoming that because he played for QPR uh, youths, he was doing a great job and he was tipped to be one of the top strikers, he was he was always the top striker for the club for the year and what he was tipped to be was to play for England and they used to call him a bullet and everyone talked about him and how he was going to be a great potential and I get a phone call saying my son got stabbed at school he's trying to break up a fight and the guy pulls out a knife and my son says what are you doing with that? put it away man and the guy just attacked him pushed the knife in his heart and my son died right outside the school in front of hundreds of young people so Another Rocky moment. I have a new opponent. It's, unfor- it's unforgiveness. It's anger. I'm battling a new kind of fight. So I thought boxing was tough. I thought being homeless was tough. I thought coming off drugs was tough. I thought all the stuff i had been through in life was tough. I thought burying one of my little babies in a coffin was tough that was stillborn. All the stuff I've been through in my life. I thought my life was tough. I'd seen the worst of stuff already, but it was nothing compared to burying my son and dealing with this waking up every day and not having him in my life. And it was just surreal listening to the news and, and, and hearing your son's name it was just, it was, it was like being in the twilights, and it's like out of body experience. Um, so what do I do? How do I deal with this? So at first it's a lot of anger. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fire. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man from the roads. I got, I got my, my, my friends are still from the roads, and they're, they're ringing me like, "Yo, yeah, Prince, we, we heard what's gone down, bro. Tell me that's not your son. I just heard." name on the TV, and then I'm like, yeah, they're like, okay, we got this, we got this, this guy can't stay alive, we're gonna take him out. So we're in a position here where we don't have to go and do this myself, other people wanna do this. What do you do? How do we deal with this? Um, more crossroads. And I've been on a a journey that's been very, very difficult. But I decided to do something that I never believed that I could do. I didn't actually think that was possible for me, which was to forgive somebody who took the most precious thing out of my life. And what did that mean? What did that mean for me? What what was I going to do with my life now? I couldn't see there was no this life worth living now. Yeah? I knew I had other children, I, I love all my children, but you take my little crew away, I've accumulated now a little team. You know, I've got Tanisa. Um, she's now 31. I've got Kayan, who would have been 28. I've got um, uh, Jodice um who's 25. I've got Malik, who's 21. I've got Kishon. He is 17, he's going to be 18 uh, next week. I've got Micaiah, he is 14 today, God bless him. And I've got my little team, and that's all I live for. Now one of my team members are taken out. My whole world is broken up, and I just want to deal with this guy, and I decide to forgive him, because if I don't, What's gonna become of me? The bitterness and the anger that's within me, that rests in me, that's gonna ruin my life. Forgiveness is a strange thing because we think it's about the other person. We think it's something to do with letting them off, and it isn't. Because I realized I wasn't functioning properly. I wasn't functioning right. There was so much anger. I, I couldn't even sleep without dreaming about enjoying killing and taking this guy's life and and through the process of forgiveness now i'm able to now go back out and help the same guys with the mindset who are sharing with me and saying to me prince we've stabbed we've we've hurt people now imagine how i feel when i'm still filled with anger against hanad hussein who killed my son and now this guy, who I've come to speak to, is sharing with me and telling me that he's hurt and, and, and stabbed other people. That same anger's going to transfer to him. So I can't have that in me. Because now I want to I help people in my community that have offended and hurt others. Because it's no point us not moving forward to help because that means they're still out there messing with other people's lives. And if I can do something to stop that cycle, to break that cycle, then I will. So I've committed my life to helping these young men and these young women that get involved in this mindset because we call it knife crime. Knife crime, I've never seen a knife commit crime. That don't make sense to me. People, young people are killing people with a knife, with a gun. The narrative's all wrong, we look at them as bad men, gangs, that's all wrong too, because I'll tell you something, hurting people hurt people, hurting people hurt people, because when I was hurting, because I ran away from home at 15, I had a lot of anger in me, and I hurt people. I went and done robberies, that's not nice, that's hurting someone. I went and done fraud, that's not nice, you're working for your money, you're doing something constructive and I'm fraudulently taking from you. I'm, I'm selling drugs and poisoning somebody else and just using okay, it's okay because they, they, they've chosen to do this. No, this isn't the right way to live life because we have to contribute back. We're all responsible for each other, we're all connected in some way and some form. So we have to ensure that we're doing the right thing, not just for ourselves, because it impacts everybody else. So I realized I needed to do the right thing for my friends and my community by showing them that this is what I'm willing to do. I'm not gonna kill this guy. I'm not gonna keep anger. I'm gonna begin a cycle of love and forgiveness so I can be able to heal these other young people. So here's the reward that I got for this. I was able, From being in a place where I didn't know whether I could get up and function anymore, I got to a place where I used to stand in front of young people, and this is what's happening nowadays, and watch them just fixated on listening to me, inspiring them, telling them how amazing and how special they are, and showing them how to make the right decisions, how your mindset, and your beliefs is what controls how you act. And listening and watching them give me feedback and the impact they was having in their lives. Now this is what's being continued through Kyle Prince Foundation, because I thought, if I could bring up my son to do well, and for him to be amazing and him to use his potential, then I'm sure if you put me and give me time with other young people, I will have that impact too. So that's the gift that I've been given, because I stepped forward and believed and faced my fear. So the war and the position that I'm in now is where I want to run a campaign. I want to tour London. I want to be able to go to all the schools. Why? Because if I can go and do all this work over the years and see the impact it's having, then I just have this thought, what's stopping me from going out to all the schools and asking those young people who now believe in what I'm saying to stand up? a call to action for young people to stand up against knife crime. For them themselves to join me as we start to change the narrative and look at those people who are committing these crimes as people that are in need of help and support because their mindset's so warped, they've made the wrong decisions and they don't really see the real pain and destruction that they're causing, not only for themselves, But for their children, they're not thinking about their children. They're thinking, yeah, I'm a bad boy, no one's gonna chop on my kids. No, my friend, when your kid goes to school, because you've been been perpetrating this behavior, this behavior's gonna be perpetrated, come down on your own children. So I wanna wise make these young people wise to what's going on. And it's been working, but we need the backing and support. I'm not even asking the government for nothing. Because I've been talking, I've been on the news, Countless times some of you may have seen me. I've done lots of work out there But what happened is I've realized I don't know if they really want this thing to end I don't know if they I don't, that's why they create all these gangs and knife crime and all this narrative because maybe crime pays But not for the criminals, but for the people that have set up the system that allows how much money to go in To, to the prison system and all the different systems that we have So I want to be able to go out this and tackle this at the front. We need to get out to the children. I'm asking the public everywhere I go to support the Kayan Prince Foundation. Two things I would ask of you. If you feel that, you know what, I can do something to contribute. Because contributing is the most powerful thing that we have to do in this society with each other. We can change our community and look after our community just by looking after each other. I don't think we realize this. How we treat each other changes that community, how we look out for each other. If you have a community of people that are just selfish and thinking about their that's not a nice community to come into. If you have a community of people that love and care about each other, got each other's back, that's a different community. It's Just like a home. You walk into a happy home and everybody's laughing and joking, they get on with each other, then that's a nice home to be in. When you go into one of these arguments, fights, it's not a nice atmosphere and this is just on a big scale, so we're dealing with communities. I want to educate these young people how to become entrepreneurs. How instead of using your skills, because we all have been gifted with something in this life to give to this planet. And instead of using your anger and your hurt to hurt others to get what you want, why don't you use it to bless others now? So your transferable skills, you make all this effort to go out and sell drugs. So we're gonna teach you, you don't have to sell drugs, You can sell gel, you can sell t-shirts, you can sell whatever it is you want and create your own business out of it. We need to just teach them a different way and this is what KPF wants to do. So I'm sharing with you my vision. I'm sharing with you what's in my mind, I'm sharing with you what's in my heart. I have something in me that believes this will work. I know this will. And I believe that if the community can support individuals like me with my initiative and what I'm doing, here's how I worked it. One day I was by my grave, and I shared a Facebook message. The Facebook message I shared got about 400,000, hit 20,000 shares, people were sharing their views. And I thought, imagine this, I'm here struggling all the time, out here working with these youths, trying to make change. And I hear people all the time, life, crime, what are we gonna do, blah, 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 but you can do something. And if in your life, you're wrapped up in your life and what you're doing, then support somebody else who is. Because we can't all do the same thing, and I understand that. So, I'm saying, if everyone on that page, instead of pressing like, press www.kayenne.org or the new new website is www.thekpf.com, if they press that instead of like, and just said, let me go direct debit and give these guys two pound a month. Did you know how much impact that would have? So you've got 100,000 people pressing likes and 100,000 people saying, do you know what? I might not be able to do what you do, but I can support you to travel through London and get through to more young people. I haven't got the money to do it and travel every day to go and see because I've committed my life to doing this so i am asking the people my communities to be able to take part and do this tell your friends tell your friends what you're passionate about that you spoke with me today and that you would like them to share in this new vision and be a part of this new tree of people this new community of people that's focused on making change what you get from that is this i'll ensure that everything we do is transparent. I'll ensure that the videos are shown, you'll meet the young people that are speaking about the impact this is having, the changes that this is making. We're gonna be able to support them more with long-term programs that focus on showing them how you can set a goal, how you can reach that goal. School doesn't teach this. School doesn't teach financial literacy. School doesn't teach the things that are necessary, the life skills that you really need. So great, you got a master's, great, you got all these, but how about your life skills to be able to get through to the job that you actually want with the master's degree that you've got, I've met many people in McDonald's and they got masters and degrees and all of that, but that's not what they really want. We wanna teach these young people how to get what they really want in life. So will you support and help me to do that, guys? Thank you. Thank you. Um, you can send me messages, you can uh, let me know once you've done it, you can do it on the website. And um, also what I'd like is people, if they would like to do more, you can give 2 hours of your time a month so you're involved in it you can come and see what's happening you know you can share your story with young people whatever skills you may have you know because at that moment we're just looking for office space we're looking for i.t equipment because this is the struggle when you're not when you don't uh we're not one of those high profile charities but 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 we're actually really addressing the stuff and the issues that matter to us we're addressing it but we don't have all that uh, high-profile uh, cancer research and all the others, we don't have that. So we've got to go and meet people, share the story, and ultimately their support. So it would be wonderful if I go on my website and I can see that all these people here, they've now become donors to KPF, just for this charity, this campaign for us to get food to all the schools in London. It's going to take us about a year or two, but I think Knife crime itself is a 10-year plan because we have to look at the generations that we're saving coming before. We're never going to fix this. It's not a quick fix. It's not the police. It's not all this stuff you hear on TV. It ain't. You know, I work in the front lines. I deal with the young people. So I know what's going on. So guys, let's work together and see if we can make change and I'd love you to be included in this. God bless you. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Mark. I spoke to Mark this year. And uh, we sat down for probably about, it must have been well over an hour. And uh, I speak to a lot of boxers. it's it's not difficult for me to say that story when he told me it from the bottom to the top it absolutely broke me now there's a lot of people in this room that have children of their own and you can't even comprehend what this man's been through so if anybody here can support please do this is what tonight's all about, to try and put some money in the pockets there to get them out to these schools to make a real difference. As I said, if Team BTR can get Mark out to one school, two schools, three schools, then we've made a difference. And that's what we—that's we'll, all we're trying to do. So, uh, boys, we've got to a bit of a q and I mean, Mark's, apart from the story he's got, he's actually been a fantastic boxer, challenged all the way up to world title level. So he's a wealth of experience. If you've got any questions, just fire him over. Obviously you can text him into that number or you can just grab a microphone or shout him out. It's absolutely fine. Just don't be shy, we're all friends here. And I've my oh.
1: mind stories about the story. Oh no, Some, all right, can, can, I, can I do one quickly then? Yeah, cool.
0: You see when you said you, uh,
1: lady, you mashed up your knee, yeah.
0: can you tell us how you did it? Really? <laughs> <Seriously>? <laughs> I don't
1: mind. I don't mind. I don't mind. Come really. on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 I'll put, put it in the book, innit? It's,
2: it's
1: definitely in the book. Okay. Um, by the <laughs> so, book, by the way. By the so, book. So, so I'm working with my brother. He's asking me to... Um, I've got a gap in between. <laughs> I was in Frank Brown for five years. I've just come away from a contract and I'm talking to Don King and other promoters, Jackie Callan in America, and they want to take me on. So I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do? So my brother says, come and do some work with me doing security until uh, you you know, decide what you're going to do. So I said, all right, cool. So I was doing some work with my brother, and uh, you know you always get them leery ones, the guys you meet, that's just, uh, and yeah, it wasn't the normal <laughs> security. It was. It was. Um, I don't know if you go to concerts, and when you go, there's uh, the merchandise. The, the the guys selling merchandise outside, and then they've got the the um, the original merchandise inside. So we've got to control the guys selling the illegal stuff outside. And um, well, you know, my my brother's quite no well known. Him and, and myself and my other brother. So they don't really get much trouble you know, when, when we're doing security outside. Um, so, I've never seen this guy before, and I just said, look, bruv, you can't, you can't sell your merchandise here, because you're too close to the venue. Just go down there. And basically, to keep a long story short, he weren't having it, and I'm um, sure I, I I'm not going to
2: detail. Oh, Get <laughs> it,
3: Alright, so
1: okay. I've right, so gripped his Adam's apple. Ooh,
3: yeah. I don't want to hit him. I don't want to hit him. I'm a
1: pro fighter. And I don't want to damage him. So I thought, let me go a little bit tender. So I've gripped his Adam's apple. And then obviously he can't breathe. So I've gone to just drop him to the ground because he's kind of gone wild. But as I've gone to take him down, I've heard a, a bit of a in my knee, so my knees, my body's turned, but my knees stayed here, so it's, it's ripped and I felt this tremendous pain, but I can't deal with the pain, because I've got Mr. Wildman who can turn on me, so I've got to deal with him. So uh, in short, we've, we've, we've restrained him, we've told him to leave the site, but when I've got up, my leg is shaking like a leaf in autumn. And um, I'm thinking, whoa, what have I done here? So I'm getting quite peed off because I'm in in pain. And then I thought, I've I've been a bit light with him. I've been too nice. I've let him off. So I thought, "Um, where is he? Where's that (laughs) bastard? So I've gone down the road after him and I, but I didn't think I'd see him because I told him to piss off so I thought he'd have enough sense to go but then I uh, hear this voice, T-shirts for sale, T-shirts! And he's still shouting the T-shirts down the road. So I went, and I went up to him, I thought I'm not gonna use my fist, I'll use the elbows, <laughs> bang! So he drops on the floor, Everyone jumps in, tries to put the boot in and I'm, I'm trying to calm him down You know, why are you being so violent? This guy's not that bad So I decided, let me get a boot in myself But I forgot about my knee So, next minute I'm sitting on the floor thinking, why am I sitting on the floor? When I look down, my foot's over there My knee's sticking out over here So what's happening, as I've made impact the hole from here down has just come out of the socket so my foot's over there and I'm thinking, that's not a natural angle. So once I've recognized that it's in a strange and I begin this high-pitched scream. Um, so that's what happened to my foot, basically. Yeah, and that ruined my boxing career. That's, that stopped my boxing career. So it was my fault. I could have, if I just went to the hospital straight after, then they would have seen that there was some ripped ligaments, and I oh, don't know, six months, eight months, a year, I would have been back. But um, I, after I booted in, it came straight out. I ripped any good ligaments that was left in there, and they said, this is one of the worst knee injuries they've seen, and said, uh, Mr. Prince, uh, you cannot fight at world-class level anymore. Your boxing career is over. So that was tough. Yeah, boom. And I believed the bastard. <laughs> thirteen years later, I decided to change my mind. I said, "I'm yours, mate. I'm making a comeback. I've done a Rocky. I made a comeback after thirteen years. Can you imagine that?" And my mum was like, son, don't go in the ring and box again." But I didn't listen to a rumour. I went back in the ring and I boxed and and I won. Um, I won. I won. I won the next four fights in a row, and uh, and then I retired again. So my record finished at twenty-four fights, twenty-three wins, eighteen knockouts. There yeah, were some hands up. So uh, does
0: anybody have any questions? Yeah. Questions. Go on. Over there, Steve. Go for
2: it. Yeah. Uh, can I just say that, you know, sitting in your presence and hearing your stories, it's like, outstanding. Thank They're you so much, great, Inspirational people have actually been in the company. Awesome. Um, but just when you were saying about your injury, how did you deal with it after that? You know, you hear about boxers, that when they get told they can't fight anymore, yeah. they might fall into a, a depression or a, you know, yeah. how, did, how did you cope with that?
1: Yeah, just like they did. Depressed. Just depressed. I was depressed, man i um, it depressed, I suppose it had a big impact because I just got married. It was my first year of marriage and um, I think it had a big impact on my marriage, you know. Just, it was hard for my wife um, and it was hard for me and I don't think neither of us dealt with it that well. And even though we got divorced like 10 years later, uh, for me, it was just from the very beginning that that things just yeah. turned sour. What's that, Zero. Kind of like yes, yes, that was certainly ground zero, and it was a really hurtful time. But you face your fears, you recognise that you have got to make changes and grow, and um, and that's that's what I've done. I've done a rocky, and realised that um, you're scared, man, and you need to face those fears, and I made the necessary changes in my life. To, uh, to to sort that out. But yeah, thank you. I'm humbled by your comments as well. Thank you, mate. Go on, myself. You you can come out it,
3: mate. You do come out. Yeah.
0: Well,
3: um. It was just. Have you recently or in recent years? Is there anything that kind of, especially to do with your charity? Most, maybe wants to get back into boxing or maybe coaching or.
1: Um. I, I am a life coach. I'm a professional life coach now because I believe in growing and, and building yourself through life. Um, so I don't lean on the fact that I used to be a fighter and you know, you get some people that are, you know, I used to fight you. You know, I'm still alive, so I've got a life ahead of me and I can recreate myself. That's a wonderful gift that I believe that we have as human beings, that we can recreate ourselves. And, and change our life. We can leave our uh, good jobs and say, "Well, on this, I don't want to work for you and be employed and earn money and be in the comfort zone. I want to challenge myself and bring out my greatness and decide to start my own business. We can do that. We can train ourselves at whatever age. We're limitless." Um, so I forgot why I even brought down. But yeah.
2: I got. I got one.
1: Yeah.
2: We spoke about this earlier. Yeah. If you could apply the mentality from your comeback years to yeah. your initial part of your career, what would have happened? Oh. Oh. And, and talk about the importance of I'm mentality, because we've spoken a lot about mentality in our podcast about yeah. it's more a mental sport than a physical sport. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, so it's, it's difficult to, to really quantify the effect yeah. that Burying my son has had on me. But once you decide not to allow bitterness and pain to reside and take control, what happens is you've unleashed a, this new life of growth and it's like you can see and your understanding becomes clearer and you you ain't got time to bullshit anymore. You 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 can hear bullshit a mile off. You can hear fake and see fake people a mile off. And the best person that you can see who's being fake is you. And, 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 and that's what my growth was about. It was about seeing that my, my, my marriage was, was, was just fake. I weren't even, I weren't, this wasn't being real. This was, I weren't taking this seriously. And my wife wasn't taking it seriously. Wasn't committed to growing with each other. Um, and, and, and I wasn't about how I was how I wanted to change my life around and work and develop myself and develop a business. I just decided to take, to take real steps in every part of my life. And even when I decided to box, I decided to box. Because Kai and Prince Foundation wasn't building the way I thought it was. I thought, you know, I was on the Noel Edmund show, and they brought me on this show and they were like, they tricked me. They invited me on and said, oh, we just what you want you on to talk about knife crime. So I'm coming on the show thinking, yeah, I'm just gonna, they're just gonna talk about knife crime. All of a sudden, Ole Miss comes up and just says, no, uh, Mr. Prince, we're not gonna speak about knife crime. Could you come to the stage? So I go to the stage, and this guy brings out a, a businessman for, for the Client Prince Foundation to give this man who's doing all this work in the community, all the support he needs. Here comes the businessman and we're going to give him a PR company, the best in the in the country. Here comes the PR company and we're going to give him a psychologist to take all of his gifts from his brain and what he's doing and put it into workshops and now he's got the whole package and last but not least, we're gonna give him a vehicle, a a people carrier for him to be able to help and take these kids. So I'm like balling, like you watch it, you go on go on YouTube and watch it. You see me I'm a broken man. I can't believe it. I'm like, yes, some some help, someone see my journey and what's happening. So I think this is all gonna work out. But it doesn't. It doesn't. I realize and soon wake up that. People are in it for themselves, for their own reasons. They want their moment of glory, they want their moment of fame, and they will use whatever platform there is that they can use to to get what they want in life. So I could have been bitter again about that, but I realized this is just life, this is just people. So I need to learn from this, and I need to learn business acumen myself. And I need to learn how to PR, KPF myself. So I began to develop this way about me. Just like Rocky, you find a way to win. Just like the fighter that's in all of us. Just like the champion that's in all of you ladies and gentlemen. That fighter is in you. You have the answer. Not anybody else. You, it is within you. You have what it takes to get to where you need to get to. So I recognise that and I began to tap into that, but I may not have never got there had I not have experienced what I'd gone through with my son. So I hope that answers the question. Because I can be a bit long. <laughs> Do you remember the question?
0: <laughs> so it goes, what was your record again?
2: <laughs>
0: Any other questions? There's an arm up at the back there.
1: What was it like working with Carly? Oh, wow. Wow. They don't know Carly though, do they? Carly Carew. They don't know Carly Carew. But I'll tell you anyway because you know. Working with Carly Carew is an amazing experience. He's talking about the guy that trained me. So, Carly Carew, and you'll read it in the book, he comes into my changing rooms I don't know who he is. And he just says, how do you feel? I'm getting ready to fight for the London finals. If I win this fight, I'm an amateur now, not professional, I'm an amateur. But you gotta understand this, as an amateur, I've decided to go in and fight the best fighters in the country. So I'm 21 years old, it's my first season in boxing. I've taken nine months to rid myself of alcohol and drugs. I used to take crack, coke, and, um, you, know, you know acid tabs and all of that, that was me, and bun weed all day, so I've got to get this out of my body, so I've done that for nine months, then I've gone straight into the ABAs, I don't know if anyone knows about boxing, Is ABAs, is like the, best, the biggest competition in the country, and I've said, let me, let me have a bash, And they're like, no, no, no. You should go into the novices, because you just began. And you should leave the big boys alone, because these guys represent England. They're the best that the country has to offer. And I was like, no, 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 no. I need to see if I'm serious, or I have illusions of grandeur. So I went into this competition, and I began to fight, and I got to the London finals. Amazing. So you asked me, what was it like to deal with Carly? This is what it was like. It was amazing because he's got a way of inspiring you. And I didn't know him. He comes in my chamber and he says, how do you feel about this fight? So I'm looking at him like, what, who are you? How do you feel about this fight? Are you ready to go out? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm I'm, nervous. Because I, I suffer with nerves badly. Yeah? So I'm just crapping myself to go out and fight. This guy's won the competition four years in a row. So he goes, he goes, he just looked at me like this he said, yourself. he said, they're all scared of you you just come out of the blue you're knocking everyone out now get out there and smack this guy up I said, like, yeah right." <laughs> and that's the impact he had on me yep. and I went out there and smashed him up and he lasted two rounds and he, they quit, he had to come out of the fight the rest stopped the fight so Carly had a massive impact on me and I decided to be with him because before that michael watson's trainer eric seekum has spotted me in the gym and he asked michael watson who was my first ever sparring partner to spar with me and they both came up to me after and said you're gonna be a champion one day and they said you know we want to be involved in your career so his trainer michael watson's trainer started picking me up taking me to Hampstead Heath, taking me on runs. So I felt special, but then I met Carly and I zipped off from him and went off to Carly. And I knew Carly wasn't known like Eric Seepke Michael Watson's trainer. So I knew that I was limiting myself, but I felt what he had to offer me was so important that I knew that was gonna be the catalyst to how I was gonna become victorious in boxing. So Carly done a great job in changing my crazy style, Getting me focused, getting me believing. It's believing in myself Carly made me think that no one could beat me. And, and only I could beat me. So yeah. that's what Carly was like. Smashing. I got a question.
0: Yeah. So you were boxing in and around like the, the mid-90s. Yeah. Obviously one of the, the probably the greatest generations for us as British fight fans, the Benz, U Eubanks, Nazim Hammonds, etc. Earl Graham's. L. Graham's. L. Graham, indeed. Chris Pyatt yeah. Okay. Uh, it's not top Trumps.
3: <laughs>
0: so, what kind of, what, which one of those fighters would you have kind of not so much as fighters, because you were in their generation, but who did you appreciate the most as a boxing fan at that time? Oh,
1: I love Knight because I love heart. I love comebacks, comeback kings. Uh, and Knight, when you'd hurt him, he'd always come back. So I, I, I get turned on by that. Look at him, he's getting banned. He gets in there, get in. And that gets me all excited when I see someone coming back from virtual defeat and they find a way to come back. So I think Nigel's one of my guys, not because he was the most skillful or anything, but it it's the heart of what he brought into the fight. Because boxing's about the spirit of a man. You know, we just look at the swinging and the punching, but it's not. It's the spirit of the individual that's being exposed at that point. And that's why I love watching the Rocky film. I think I just answered that question short,
0: didn't I? And I was shocked. I like that. Are there any other questions for Mark today? Oh, Tim White, about Go for it. Hey, um, I'm just
3: gonna go like
1: who's gonna win tomorrow, Gros or Smith? Wow. Um Wow. It's going to be a hard one to beat Groves, you know. For Smith to beat Groves tomorrow is going to be very hard. I I, I would like to go with Groves. I would like to go with Groves. Because Smith is a very good fighter. I like him. He's got, that's the kind of style I like as well. But I think Groves, he's, he's got everything. And it's his time. You know when he peaked and you peak to be matured? I know he's done his arm. But I don't think that's going to hinder him um, tomorrow. Um, I think he's he's really seasoned up here, and um, he's gonna he's gonna ask questions of a young Smith who's never been in those kind of wars before. I know he's been in a couple of tough fights, but not like Groves. Groves has been banged out. Groves has have, have lost close fights. You know he's been through it, so I think now is his time. He's going to show these boys who the man is. I've got it for groves. It from and in Westland, probably as well. Easy. Westland, go for it, love you. While Sean's at the bar, do you like, would you like a drink?
3: Yes. Yes. Sean. <laughs> <Short. laughs>
0: this is Sean's literally his only contribution to the entire night, so. <laughs> go
3: nuts. of <laughs> um, What would you like?
0: Let's have a shot of Brandy <laughs> oh,
3: I'll
2: tell him he can't. Sure.
0: And just to reiterate, Mark's got some copies of his book up here as well. I'm sure that if you purchase one, he will be happy to sign it for you. Oh, certainly.
2: Sure.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's one of the most gripping. It sounds really bad to end, but It's such a gripping story.
2: Four. Uh,
0: five.
1: Five.
0: Um, it will move you. So it's, it's an amazing story.
1: Yeah, don't let me go on with the books. I've got 14. He's got to go home with them. No, I don't <laughs> let me go on with it.
0: No. So if there's no further questions, we'll wrap up. All oh, right. no, Steve? Oh,
2: it's just, uh, just me are saying about uh, Nigel Payne there, you know, he's grit and determination. Yeah. I don't know he might come through adversity. Yeah. Do you know, think that's the kind of way that society is just now with knife crime? Because yeah. it's rife right around the country and it feels as if the authorities are kind of geared up to just want to deal with the punishment side they it. going, they're more proactive, they're reactive. Oh, that's correct. Cool. Uh, it's like, that's the kind
1: of way it feels. So it's the kind of difference that you're trying to make in London. and feel like we need people like you, everywhere across uh, the UK. Beautiful, beautiful. Frankly, you are totally right. There's too much reaction. And, and that makes me think, wait a minute, haven't we put into position and power people that we expect to have enough intelligence to at least set a goal and have some smarts? set some smarts behind the goal, okay? So how are we gonna be specific about this? How are we going to measure this? Just do, be realistic, attainable, all of that, and just get to, to where you wanna reach, your goal. But it seems when I speak to Sadiq to, to and the other uh, people in position, they don't have a solution, they don't have any goals, they don't have anything that they're actually working on. So I'm thinking to myself, did you guys actually pass any Exam? did you have any academic, you know, knowledge or anything about you? Because you have to combine that with with what you have in your heart. So the both combined will produce that individual that can come up with a solution. So I'm using the knowledge that I've gained in life and my experience and I'm using my academic knowledge that I've learned because when I left school, that's when my education began. So I'm using that knowledge to combine together to say okay, here's how we tackle life crime. First change the narrative, first change the narrative, because the narrative's all wrong and it makes some people think that this has got nothing to do with us, these are these people's problems. It's not enough to do, no, 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 this affects everybody, this affects everyone and everybody should be playing a part. So let's not point at the police. They need to do their bit, but we can't put all the responsibility on them. We, we can't look at Khan and say, you supposed to sort this out. We can't put everything on them. Uh, parents, everyone's supposed to play their part. You can't have all these kids running around and then complain about them. So whose kids are they then? Whose kids are running around at 12 and 1 o'clock in the morning? Whose kids are carrying these stuff? A lot of them have got knives and they're taking from the house. Do you know what I'm saying? So, you know, how deep, how serious are we taking this? Are we just looking at it like, it's definitely not my kids, it's those bad kids out there? But it could well be, because I've met some really well-to-do young guys who are out there who share with me their stories and their mindset when they look at, oh, at Prince, Stab this guy, he wasn't that serious, I didn't, I didn't go that deep. And I have to say, okay, so when did you learn this uh, surgery? Did you get all this knowledge about being a doctor to understand know where to stab him? You know, do, do you know what I'm saying? I, I know people like that. Yeah, but that's his mindset. And, and that needs to be changed. You have to break down his beliefs. And it's almost like a table with legs, and you can switch that belief system and put something else in. And now he's got something else that he holds on to and he understands, and now we can move forward because your beliefs will produce how you act. We only act based on what we believe. Brendan. Yes, ma'am. Looking back at your uh career, was there
3: any match where you thought, yeah, that was just crazy?
1: Yeah, yeah. Go on YouTube and type in Prince and Michael Gale, Prince and Gale. Then you'll understand. (laughs) I went back in my changing room after that fight, and I didn't take off my boots or my shorts. I just stood under the shower like this. (laughs) I just let the water run on my head, and I thought, why the hell did you choose this as a (laughs) job? Honestly my my, my my head I can't explain how my head felt. It felt like that it got damaged in the fight. That's how my head felt. It was like wow this is serious. This job is serious what I'm doing. Anything could happen at any time and that's why I love Carly because he said look ma, you don't know if the next fight's your last fight. So so ensure you get paid each fight properly and ensure you have that in mind and understand that. So that was really important, Carly was really real. So so yeah, there was that was a crazy moment in my career, fighting Gale, because it really woke me up to how boxing is not a, a just a, some little sport and you know, oh, I, I, I'm the victor and I do really well. That, I didn't see that guy fight again afterwards, he didn't fight, he retired after that fight. So, and, and I'm not surprised, because if I felt like that, how did, how did he feel? And we were both hurt. So check that one out, Prince V. Gale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, laughing, sound he's watched it. And they're both <laughs> wading away like drunks on the street. And that's the commentary, that's what the commentary saying. And there's one bit in it that i have myself, I look absolutely funny, I miss this punch, and my legs do this dance. It's just so funny, you gotta watch it.
2: See when you're involved in a fight like that Yes yeah. When do you realise that you gave something special? When,
1: when do you, you realise that you Yeah,
2: that you gave something special to okay. what? Because that's what people watch you for is a fight like that Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's caveman like Yeah know, We're all about blood and guts And everybody loves them So when do you realise, when, when can
1: you appreciate it? Um, afterwards you appreciate it But in the fight you make decisions so that's two different things. Afterwards, you were really appreciated because now you can look at what you've done. And most of the things I appreciated only were appreciated after my career was over. I never really realized what I'd actually done to come from a homeless kid at 15 to become number one in the country as a ever. I never really sat long enough for a moment to take in what I'd actually been doing. I was just doing it. But I never sat down and said, please, do you realize what you're achieving here? I just set the goal and said, I've got to do this. I have to make this happen, or I don't want to be a bum. I don't want to be somebody that never makes it in life. So I had to, it was only after when I was lying there for months on end with a leg, just with a brace all the way to my nutsack, did I just lie there and think, wow, I used to train four times a day from, Five, six in the morning, different sessions. Uh, and then another one at nine and ten. And another one in the early afternoon. And another one in the evening. That was my life, swimming, an extra session in cardiovascular, and just anything I could do, just gym work, technical, two, three hours the gym. Just work, work, work. It just became my life. So it became a natural part of my life i didn't think about it, it was just what i got up and done and, and i enjoyed it because i knew it was going to produce you know i hear a lot of young people say oh that's long well how else are you going to get there there is i've never seen a quick route there because if i get there the quick way what do i have to share with anybody see i realized this when i was starting to live a life where i'm working towards my goals i look back and said That's why I couldn't really make it in being a criminal because the money came quick the money went quick then I had to do it all over again what was I really learning but on the journey to trying to believe and achieve and set goals I was actually learning things it was changing my character and I was becoming this different person so now I had something to give to my children as a dad had some knowledge that I could share with them, but I didn't have none when I wasn't going for it because fear kept me where I was. It was easier to rob someone and do an undercover job, an inside job. It was easier to do a stake out of place and then say, Boom, here's the day, than it was to work hard to get mine. That's just an insight into the mind of some of these young people. This is how they Is this helpful to anyone? Yes
3: You
0: yeah. yeah. Yes Can I just say here's your, here's your, here's your the Oh sweet Lovely You're part of team yeah. B- B- mm-hmm. Hey! Man. Oi oi <laughs> Well I was going to say we're all doing it together but <laughs> <laughs> <What> <laughs> I've
1: got another one <laughs> uh,
0: That's the weapon, don't let me know over there, you can do it
3: um, do Briggs, yes, ma'am. Has anyone
1: ever told you that perhaps you should have been a politician? Yes, I get messages on <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram telling me to run for mayor.
3: Yeah, perhaps you should. I think
1: you should. I think you should. Just, uh, just Everyone like,
3: cheer if you me. think you should run yeah. for mayor. Yeah. That. That's because
1: you all had a few shots of the mayor. Question? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. So
3: um, we said
1: also about cutting off the like hi-fi. What's better to go for? Is it better to go from, uh, straight to the parents or the kids or into the schools? Okay, um for me, my passion is about young people because I recognise that young people do have the power to make decisions and I want to empower them to do this. Because at fifteen how can I be on the streets on my own and survive? and get to this point in my life. Sometimes we don't give young people the credit that's due to them, that they can make the right decisions if they are developed in the right way. So I know parents have to do the developing, and um, and we need, there is a platform to, to and a forum where we need to be helping parents, because I think parents, skills have kind of gone downhill a bit if we're all going to be a bit honest uh when i, I uh, you know I, I meet parents and talk with parents it's almost like it's so quick for your child to just be big you know you just leave them to their own devices give them a phone give them a tablet give them a laptop and then kind of bringing up their self in a way and you just buy them the clothes you get them the food but what input uh, you know Compared to how the generation was focused on building their young people and ensuring that they had manners and they could but they conducted themselves in a certain way. That's not so important to parents nowadays. This is just from what I'm seeing from parents who and sometimes you realize when the child's acting up at school and you think, man, what's wrong with this child? Then the parent comes in. The parent comes in and you think, Oh my goodness. This is where the child gets it from, and the parents cussing the teacher. The teacher's trying to help their child, you know, and the parents coming in. You don't tell my child that. Blah blah blah. think my days. So, so you understand what's happening here. So there is a platform needed for more parent support groups, bringing them together. So that will definitely be an extension. Because what a part of the vision is not just to do the campaign to tour, that's phase one. Uh, I only told you about phase one. Phase two is this. When I go around to schools and I do talks, I'm telling you this is the honest truth. There's girls, there's guys, they they wanna, they can't get them out of the auditorium. They wanna slip me written messages and notes. Here's some of the notes I get from girls, yeah? I'm self-harming. I'm, I'm, I, I've, I've let this guy um, have sex with me. Um, he, I'm, I'm so distressed. He doesn't care. There's, I, I feel suicidal. I've had these notes as well. Um, I get notes for on my social media as well with young guys and young girls talking about how they've they been around certain people, but they they're making them do things. Um, so so there's some serious issues out there so phase two is about supporting so when we go around the schools many young people say can we come down to where you are well, well I haven't got anywhere I, I want somewhere but I haven't got anywhere if if I had the money that money would go into having a place where we can have parent support groups to come in for sessions. It would have a gym because together. So let's let's work together and build your health and build your mindset. Um, um, let's have different workshops to be able to teach you and develop you and enable you to become powerful and reach your full potential. This is what the building would look like, even if it was just uh, one floor that had a gym and we had workshop space. That would be very powerful. We could have a massive impact on life crime in that place. And what we could do is show how it works, and then what happens is people would want to copy that model. So we want to create a model that works, and it shows that it's evidence-based, and look how this, look at the outcomes to this. This is all we want to do. Um, But we've been unable to do it. We went to the mayor. He said, yes, Um, you're pushing against an open door. you're gonna, we're gonna make sure we support you. But for me, if I've shown you all the evidence already, don't tell me I'm pushing against an open door. Open the door and hand out the money and say, okay, here's, what are the outcomes that we're expecting from you? Okay, so when is it you gonna deliver these outcomes? So we sign on the dotted line, show you what we're gonna produce, and then we'll produce that. But you produce the money, because I've already shown who I am. What more do you want? So I have to jump through hoops with a hundred other people, a thousand, a hundred thousand other people to get a bit of chunk change that you're sharing, that you say you want to get rid of knife crime, but the people that are actually making it happen have to play this game to get funding. I don't think that's fair, I don't think that's right. Let's get it right, let's honor the people who have been working hard and proving themselves over the years, consistently. Remember, I haven't taken the foot off the pedal to go out there since I left the court, since I left the old baby. Three court cases, you know, they put me through to get justice for my son. So my son gets killed outside school and I have to go through three court cases to get justice. Come on, man, it's cut and dry. And you're looking at a jury saying, oh, hung jury. Okay, what was his line of defense? He, I, I didn't mean to stab him, I just wanted to cut his top. Oh, okay. And there's a hung jury on that? Really? There's no justice. Yes ma'am? Do
3: you
1: think that the justice system failed you because son was black? Um... Wow. <laughs> She said, she said, do does, no. I think that the justice system failed me because my son was black?
3: No, because I feel like, I think I like that like probably in the last year in London, life yeah. crime has spread so so much that everyone mm. is so worried, Yeah. and what I would like to know is, are the other communities that are probably not so black, maybe? Mm like maybe more white communities yep. and more Asian communities also acknowledging the problem is more widespread. Because yes. obviously, as we all know, knife crime was always pinpointed into black communities yep. rather than everybody yes. else. Yep. The problem yep. is everybody else. The yep. fact that we're not acknowledging it in white society or sure. middle-class societies, means yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There! I
1: appreciate it. I Because no one doesn't hear about the cases that I go and see. So. One organization, I won't name who they are, they called me up and said we need some special uh, services to help this guy. Now this guy is a well-off guy. His family, is a white guy, he's doing well, his mum's got money, his dad's got money, comes from a good home, and this guy, oh man, he's been caught with knives. Imagine this year, he's been caught with knives countless times, and I'm sitting before him I'm saying, Sir, have you ever felt the consequences for carrying knives? No. No, they let him off. They put him on an order, they put him on something, but he's never felt the consequences of carrying knives. And this same young brother is a step people. Okay? He's stab people. So what what what's up with the system? I think the question
3: I'm asking is more: yeah. Do you think we're actually making a move from it being just stereotypically black young youths?
1: I think I think we are. The wider society. Yeah, I think people are recognising a little bit more that the narrative that the media was trying to portray uh, is that's not working so well now, and people are waking up and recognising. Older than the minute, this actually affects everyone in every every culture in every society. Um, so, so yeah, uh, to answer your question, there people are waking up and there's and more individuals like myself that can come out and speak as well that helps to educate people about what's really going on, that it's not knife crime, it's mindset. It's, it's a mindset and we need to change the mindset of these young people and change their narrative that they have about, about carrying knives. They have a belief about carrying knives. All you have to do is meet them, share this experience with them, they are broken. How many children have I spoken to? They're crying, young men, young women. They didn't realize the hurt and the pain that they're causing in their own community. And then now you can break down this belief system that they have, that it's okay, it's not okay, and it should never be an option. And that's the powerful message that we're going to go around sharing with these young people. And we're going to want them to evidence it and stand. It's a call to action. You show us what you're going to do to stand against knife crime. To save your child that is going to be coming years from now. Because that's what I'm going to challenge them about. But what are you going to do for your child in the future? All of you want to have children. When I talk to you, do you want a little boy that looks like you and runs around and says, "Daddy, yeah"? Do you want a little girl? Yeah. They all want their children. So, what are you going to do for them? And this is something you have to do for your children. This is serious stuff, and you can contribute something powerful right now. So, I'm like the pi- pipe of of uh, for for children when it comes to sharing this message because. They react in a way that what really inspires them to get up and make a change and do something different. The problem is just resources. And I don't believe that that should be a problem. I think our community screw those in power. We put them there. So if they're not doing the job. Let's do the job. Let's do the job. And what the problem is, we don't believe that we can do the job. We don't believe that we can change the situation. So we've made ourselves powerless. So how do you think the young people are gonna feel if we feel powerless? Because all you hear about is, oh, what can we do about knife crime? Duh, no. Wrong, wrong attitude. Because young people feed off that. They realize that you are powerless. So you think that they're gonna believe that they can change this? They are hopeless. We're living in a hopeless society. We need to have hope. We need to have belief, and then this is infectious, and will impact on other people's lives. Yes, sir. It's um, uh, I've spent a bit in, in Thailand. Yeah. Uh, so have I. Great place, is Awesome, fantastic. Yeah. In, in Thailand, it's the belief that like,
2: the parents will go and work, the village will bring up the kids. Yeah. You know, it's so People over there, kids over there don't run riot because this is the people who broke them up.
1: Yeah. I think that's what you've got in the UK? Everybody's uh, just here to fend for themselves, kind of. Yes, you know, yes, yes, know. yes, yes, yes. Everyone's looking at... Some of us don't even know the neighbours and chat to our neighbours and uh, there's no community feeling about us anymore. Um, I grew up where... When people came around, you always offered them food, you never went round people's house without bringing anything round, you know, so that was a giving, you was always contributing, and that was what I learned from when I was little, let's give, let's contribute, and uh, maybe young people don't see that, they see everyone going for self, so once you have a selfish society, then that's uh, the, the remedy for disaster.
2: <laughs> Maybe maybe gangs or whatever, you know. The young people, when they're that are no support, they're been manipulated by older people, people they might look up to, people they may have a wee bit of money on them or whatever. They'll work to that rather than working to
1: people they respect and throw you know, take advice to that. Okay. So I'm inviting you to look at this. When a young person says, I'm doing this because I want money and I want to be able to have things. Let's look further than that. Because it's it's not that that they're after. What will the things bring, make them feel? What will getting the things do for them? So I'll show you that it's not the things they're after. It's how it makes them feel. So now they feel like they're somebody. So really, it's not the things you just want to feel important. You want to feel significant. You want to feel like somebody. And and then you've done something. So we if we teach them that there's a better way to go about obtaining this feeling, and if you can let go of this belief, this leg of belief that you have that's holding up this table that believes that this is the way to get to feel important is if you are driving in a Mercs, if you've got a brand name car, garments on, if you can change that belief and say, you can still get this from doing good things, you can get this from achieving, and you can still get your Mercs, you can still get your good clothes, but you haven't poisoned your own community to be able to do that, then what happens is people make the better choice because we're not innately wicked, most people. You know, and a lot of the young people that are meet, they're not. They've been hurt. They've been let down. Their parents on on doing drugs. Parents breaking up in relations. All these things hurt the children and have an impact on how they behave. Because remember, it's not easy going from 12, 13, 14. That's a messed up time. We can all remember that time one, when one, we went through stuff. Uh, one, is life. You... That's correct. That's correct. So it's it's. Uh, yeah, it's super stuff. You have been great.
0: You, you've been fantastic. One more, quick, one, quick. Is it really quick? You're only getting this because you wear a BTR cap. Really quick, thank you.
3: Um and I don't mean to get political at all. You've mentioned a few things about your experiences with your campaign and your charity, with, you mentioned Sadiq. Has there been, and again, I'm not expecting a political answer, I'm not looking for one. Is there anybody who you have come across from a position of power in politics through your campaign, who has shocked you in regards to their intelligence on the subject? So has there been anyone you've come across, you've gone, he actually
1: seems to know what I'm talking about or has has it been genuinely good negative? Good question. I'll say this, when I'm speaking about Khan or anyone else, I'm not trying to be negative, I'm just trying to share my experience. Because um, I, I believe that these people, some good people that you mean, but maybe they just don't get it and they're just not, um, in touch with the community that are there. It can't be easy being around politicians and it's a certain mindset that they have where he wants to leave a legacy. That's what he's interested in. And it seems like life crime has become the thorn in his side and he won't be able to leave a legacy unless he tackles life crime. So he's just thinking, let me deal with someone that can make a change in this area. So he might not be able to see that I could help in this area because I'm offered. I said to him, you've got a team that you said you, have you seen the Sun newspaper special knife team? Okay, I saw this big page in the sun one day, and I don't bite myself, but I saw this big page in the sun and someone said, look at this prince, why aren't you in there? I said, it doesn't matter to me. But like, he's got a special knife crime team. What they're doing, what they shared with us, what they're doing, what they come up with. Why are you a special? Why are you a special life crime team? And they were a team of of different people, of color. That's the first time I've seen people of color, you putting them to the front, politicians, saying, this is what you guys are. Now, I looked past that and thought, hmm, hmm, really? The the, the first time you give some real position of power to people of color in government is when you make a special knife crime team. Really? What message does that send out once again? Yeah, exactly. Simple, I know. take Einstein to work now. There's only black people in this group. It's a special knife crime team. Nothing to do with us. They've got all these black people here to sort this problem out. It's their problem. And no, it's not. Because I see all cultures all the time in this that are causing serious damage and from different levels, different classes of people as well that you would not expect. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question, even though I forgot what it was again. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> but basically, I'm not trying to be negative about them, um, I don't have any bitterness towards them, politicians, what they're doing. They just got to do what they do. But I think us, to take back our power, we have to begin to choose and decide what we are going to do. And first believe that we can do something. We can, that we can support each other if we don't particularly know what to do. But everyone can take responsibility for their actions and what they're doing, whether it's in their home, in their neighborhood, when they meet young people, that's something that's taking responsibility, that's tackling dive crime in your own area, in your own life. You know, you've made a stand, taken a stand. So we, we have, can all do something. Yeah, that's something I work on. We have one, one question
3: straight on from the smoking area. That's <laughs> <sort of laughs> but yeah, that's something I do want to commend you on tonight, is that something that stood out for me is not what they're going to do for us, okay. what we do for our community. The I think that's a great message and I think that's a perfect message that should be especially sent throughout all the communities. So I commend you on that. Awesome. That's a fantastic awesome. Awesome. I know that we're in a rush at a last question, and it was because three people said this in the smoking area. It was quite a pertinent question, I think. How do you forgive the way you have? like? we were talking about it outside, yeah. after listening to you. Yeah. very inspirational. So We've loved hearing you today. Uh-huh. But we just want to know, what is it inside mm-hmm. you that mm-hmm. gives you the ability to forgive? Because we don't forgive very simple things.
1: Yes, very true. And
3: we're all bad people for that, I
1: suppose. Yeah.
3: But how do you do that?
1: Okay, I look at myself. I look at myself and I look at um, the mistakes I've made on my journey. Um, and we continue to make mistakes on our journey, we all do and um, we would like to be forgiven for messing up on it so let's not rate it as that's terrible, we don't forgive that, that's not so bad because that means we'll all have different ratings for different things because we all think differently so if we all think on one page like forgiveness is the key because forgiveness isn't about the other person. It's about you. It's about freeing yourself to move on freely. I live life freer. I am free. When, when I meet parents um, that are victims of, of this um, epidemic, this sickness, they ask me, I'd like to be like you. And I said, you can when i said i forgave i didn't feel it in here but i chose that i wanted to forgive so for something to begin the cycle to happen you have to make a decision don't you you have to decide this is what so when i made a decision to become a champion i'm going to become a champ did i become a champion at that moment i didn't did i did i have to go through the process to become what I believed and spoke about. So speak it into existence. Go through that same process. Speak it into existence what you want. But just like Paulie, we resist change. We think that we are doing somebody else a favor when we forgive them, not realizing that we release ourselves from this jail that we put ourselves in. It's self inflicted jail that we put ourselves in and i am free out of this jail that i was trapped in i could not be able to do what i'm doing today because i would have been in prison whether it was an emotional one or a physical one because it could have maybe been a physical one if i kept this emotion but it certainly was an emotional prison that i'd set myself and it's a life sentence Mm -hmm. let's not forget that (laughs) Oh. <laughs> Nothing, ladies and gentlemen, we're all a big, big band of the this year. The <laughs> don't
0: forget, there are copies of the Prince of Peace at the front right now. Please, if you're interested in the story, come up and have a copy. It's absolutely moving you will really feel the story. Thank you once again for joining us for Show 100. Never doing this again, so don't bother asking us. But it's been an absolute pleasure. And as I said earlier on, if we can make even a small bit of change for the charity and get mark out to some schools, we've made a difference. So thank you very much for joining us and helping our cause. It's been a pleasure. Have a good evening.